Good morning, friends. My name is Courtney Joyner, and I am the seminary chapel minister here at Eastern Mennonite Seminary. And I want to welcome you to our opening convocation, our first chapel service of this academic year. And what a joy it is to be back in this space, to see new faces, to see returning faces. We will begin today as we will every service, and that is with a word from the Psalms. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. Do you know what to say after that? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's try that again. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It truly is a beautiful day as we welcome students new and returning, our staff, our faculty, our administrators. We welcome those of you who are in this physical space, those who are with us in the virtual space. We all have a place here and we all are welcome. This semester, we have the delight, the joy of having Reverend Laura Douglas as our chapel musician. You will be blessed by her music, and we will be blessed as a community in song. Speaking of music, when you enter chapel each week, you will find the printed bulletin on a music stand. Next to the music stand, you will find the hymnals that we are using for the day. So if you need to take a moment now and go towards the back of the chapel, you can pick up your hymnals, but we also have music projected on the screen, so it's not necessary. Some people still like to have that physical hymnal in their hands. With these words of welcome, let's transition into some welcoming music, the gathering hymn. Let's walk together. This is found in the purple hymnal, Voices Together, number six. And let's stand as we are able. Thank you. 
Beautiful singing. Let's be seated and join our voices in an opening prayer found in Voices Together, number 863. We pray together, source of all hope and holiness, we gather today to be church. Bless those who are absent, but not from our hearts. Bless those who are distant, but not from our love. Bless each of us here, that we may choose justice by your spirit. Draw kindness from the well of your mercy, and walk humbly in your path, O God. As we move into a time of hearing and reflecting on the word of God, we will have a slight change in the program. We will have the Psalter reading followed by the prophets and then our hymn. Our Psalter reading is found in the United Methodist Hymnal, number 747. If you do have that physical hymnal, there is a musical response that we will learn just one phrase. We will sing that at the beginning and at the end of the Psalter. When we read, I will read the light print and everyone will respond with the bold. shall abide in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? Who does not slander with the tongue and does no evil to a friend, nor takes up a reproach against a neighbor? who does not put out money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. My friends, a reading from the prophet Micah. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, 
Oh, my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised, what Balaam, son of Beor, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be. And now we get to sing the scripture. Number 207 in Voices Together. This is written in three parts that are sung as a canon or a round. I will teach each part individually, and then you can choose your part based on your voice type. There are some parts that are better for low voices and some parts that are better for high voices.
It's my pleasure to announce and introduce our new seminary dean as of July 1. The Reverend Dr. Daniel Ott is our professor of theology and religion here at EMU, our dean of the seminary and dean of the School of Theology, Humanities, and the Performing Arts. Dr. Ott comes to us most recently from Monmouth College in Illinois, where he was Associate Dean for Academic Initiatives, Professor of Religious Studies, Chair of the Department of Philosophy and Religious Studies, and he coordinated the Peace, Ethics, and Social Justice program. Dr. Ott's scholarship is in religious thought in the United States, particularly philosophies of peace and nonviolence and Christian liberal theologies, such as process and pragmatic theologies. He co-authored, along with Hannah Schnell, Christian Thought in America, A Brief History, which was published in 2015 by Fortress Press. Dr. Ott earned his PhD from Claremont Graduate University in the philosophy of religion and theology, his Master's of Divinity from Louisville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, and a Bachelor of Music from West Virginia University. He is an ordained teaching elder in the Presbyterian Church USA and a tenor opera singer. I am delighted to welcome Dan, as he prefers us to call him, here to EMS and to EMU. It is significant to me that our new dean is a peace theologian and scholar and is well-versed in ecumenical contexts. Dan brings the vision and the experience to help keep our seminary grounded in the theology and practice of justice and nonviolence, and to help us expand our learning community in new ways. I already appreciate Dan's gifts in organizational leadership and his sense of humor. Dan, we look forward to hearing from you this morning. Welcome. Thank you. Would you pray with me? May the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In some ways, I feel like Every sermon should begin with the caveat, this text was not written for you. Especially, I think, when we read a text from the Hebrew Bible in Christian contexts, it's important to remember that this text was not written for us. One of the central uh, tasks of doing exegesis, of digging into a text, is to recover the strangeness of this text. This text was written about 2,500 years ago in a distant land, in a language that most of us do not speak. Now, don't get me wrong, I love that Micah 6.8 serves kind of as our motto here at EMU, but I worry just a little bit that we could start to treat it like a warm chestnut that we would hold to our hearts. 
So I want to um, work with you this morning to recover the strangeness of this text a little bit. And I think one of the key things in discovering the strangeness of this text is to remember its prophetic quality. The author of this text probably did not expect it to be received warmly. This text challenged its original audience, and it may well challenge us today. Even just a a quick, closer look at the text structure will help us to see its prophetic quality. It starts with exclamation, listen. God is calling Israel to a context, calling them to court, and the mountains will act as judge. It's a little bit of a scary thought for those of us who live in the Shenandoah Valley that the, the mountains that surround us might stand in judgment of us. But the hearing, as soon as it starts, takes an odd turn. Rather than laying out a case against Israel, God actually seems to get a little passive-aggressive. He's asking, in effect, what did I do wrong? Why should you treat me so? Wasn't I the one who brought you up out of Egypt? Oh yeah, I think that was me. Wasn't I the one that gave you leaders and prophets? Oh yeah, memory serves, that was me. Wasn't I the one who delivered you from your enemies and guarded you against false prophets? Once again, I think that was me. And when God is done with this little rant, we still haven't actually heard what the people did wrong. But the people must know because they offer an answer, a lame answer. Oh yeah, right. What was it that we were supposed to do for you again, God? Did you want us to sacrifice calves or goats? You weren't the one who wanted our firstborn, were you? And God thunders in response. You know what's required, dust creature. You've been told. And that is what brings us to Micah 6, 8. But before you start singing along, let's slow down a little here as well. The first phrase of the uh, Hebrew here uh, features the word mishpat. Usually when it's used in the Hebrew Bible, it's talking about executing justice for the widow and the orphan, creating structures of justice that make sure the vulnerable among us don't fall through the cracks. It has to do with welcoming the stranger and the migrant, not just decent laws, but actual hospitality. It may start with decent laws. It has to do with carrying out justice for the poor, forgiving debts, sharing land, feeding the hungry. One of the richest parts of my career, and one of the the, the times that um, I was most uh, taken with the task of teaching and learning is when we did some teaching at a medium to maximum security prison near uh, the college that I worked for in Illinois. 
Um, that work began with a NYU grant that was seeking to um, re reduce recidivism, and so we did some education with folks before they were released, and then there was an uh, after-release program, and NYU tracked this to see if it helped. And so our part at, at my college was to create a little 12-week uh, liberal arts experience for, uh, for these incarcerated men. And um, there was a unit on communication and conflict management, a unit on emotional intelligence, and then uh, a unit on practical life skills. And somebody made the um, mistake of giving me that unit on the practical life skills. So we read some very practical things like the Book of Ecclesiastes and the Bhagavad Gita and bell hooks and so forth. Uh, when that work ended, uh, the, the men were so uh, hungry to continue this experience that we started book clubs. Uh, we read everything from the Epic of Gilgamesh to Trevor Noah, and um, we had two English language book clubs and a Spanish language book club going before COVID shut us down. And that experience was, was so rich. I remember so vividly one of the sort of long-termers um, said, you know, s some weeks in here, uh, these two hours that I get to discuss books with you all are the only two hours in my week where I feel fully human. A young man in that um, recidivism uh, program said, you know, I, I feel like to this point in my life I've been playing around like a little boy and now I'm ready to get out and, and live into what it means to be an adult. But one of the things that always haunted me about this work is that I could go home at the end of the evening and have a little glass of wine and go to bed in my nice, comfy bed. And those men returned to their cells, steel bars, thin mattress. Now, I don't say that as a, 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 a sort of sense of uh, white guilt. Somebody on this campus already approached me that said, there's too much white guilt around here. And I'm not even sure exactly what they mean. But if they mean, something like feeling bad for bad, feeling bad sake, then I guess I agree. What I'm talking about is an approach to justice that might actually require that some of us who have privilege give something up or go out of our way or at least be intentional about using that privilege in some way to empower someone else. Mishpat. Justice re requires creating and recreating, always creating systems of justice. The second phrase features the word chesed, which I think is translated just kindness in the NRSV. Sometimes it's translated loving kindness, sometimes mercy. Um, I've heard people talk about it as sort of God's loving kindness, God's mercy that is modeled for us. It's a weird phrase in English if we translate it literally. It's something like to love loving kindness. How does one love love? But it might make more sense if we say something like to embrace God's mercy. Now this too may sound easier than it is. Sometimes God's mercy for others may feel like a threat to us. And there's a lot in both the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament about being able to accept the grace that God shows others when we don't think that they are deserving. 
I pastored uh, a little church while I was in Illinois. It was sort of my side hustle. Um, we had just about um, 20 members there. And I was there for 10 years, a good long season. I swear the whole time that I ministered with those folks that I didn't, uh, they and I didn't agree all the time. Um, one might call it maybe a, a purple church, if you've heard that uh, vernacular, meaning that they're both sort of red politically and blue politically, but mostly they were kind of red and maybe I skewed it blue, but I'm not sure about the color scheme because what color is a pacifist in that whole? Anyway, we had our challenges. Things got a little tense when I talked about Black Lives Matter movement in one of my sermons but we had some good conversations about it. One time a member confronted me, she was pretty upset about uh, the fact that there was a trans student at the college that I worked at who was breaking swimming re uh, records. I had to giggle a little though because it turns out it was a trans man breaking men's records. During COVID though, things got even more tense and I actually resigned last summer, well before I knew I would be coming here. And the straw that broke the camel's back for me was I was uh, talking in March about uh, anti-Asian racism in connection with the murders in Atlanta in March of 2021, and I got an eye roll. And I don't mean just like I was looking over there and I saw that the person sort of turned to her neighbor and rolled her eyes a little bit. I mean, she wanted me to see the eye roll. Shifted in her seat, uncrossed and recrossed her legs. I resigned in May. Now, ministry relationships run their cycle, and 10 years is a good, long, healthy season. But still, I count the end of my time there a little bit as a failure, probably on my part, and on theirs. We, in the end, we couldn't figure out how to love each other with the love that I know that God has for us all. The bonds of love ultimately snapped. More embracing of God's mercy was required of us than we could muster. The final phrase of our passage is perhaps the most straightforward, but even here I'd like to offer some alternative wording. The word used for walk is sometimes used in the Hebrew Bible in the context of pursuing or going out after. And um, I actually am a little um, uh, uneasy with this whole idea of walking with God. It reminds me of my least favorite hymn, In the Garden, do you know it? And he walks with me, and he talks with me. Not my favorite. So I'd like to translate this phrase, to pursue God with humility. When I was in seminary in the early 1990s, um, there was a uh, cartoon that several people had up on their uh, doors in our, our dorm room. And um, it uh, charted the three years of the seminary experience. So the, the, the first year, there was an eager-looking uh, young man. It, it's always a dude. Um, and he had a guitar, and, uh, and he was singing a song. I don't remember the worship songs at the time. Let's say it was, Come, Let Us Worship. Right? Second year, 
Same dude, now he's got a beard, long hair, hippie bandana, fully in his existential mode, and the song is, all we are is dust in the wind. (laughs) Third year, he's cleaned up, sober looking, and for Mennonites, of course, he's singing 606. For Lutherans, it'd be a mighty fortress. I don't know what it would be for Methodist, Courtney, maybe uh, Love Divines, All Love Excelling, or good Charles Wesley hymn, right? The point is that there's a familiar pattern here. We think we know what pursuing God will be like. We think we know what the arc of our seminary education will be like. We think we know what our spiritual journey will hold, but perhaps we should pursue God with a little more humility, be open to a little more surprise, be a little less certain about where we think our pursuit of God will take us. And likewise, institutions have seasons, and we can think we know where we're headed when we really don't quite. These are exciting times. This is the state of the seminary part of the sermon. These are exciting times at Eastern Mennonite Seminary, truly. Uh, We're rolling out new programs. Uh, Our enrollment has increased. We're working on marketing. In other words, we're working, working on telling the story broadly of the wonderful things that happen at Eastern Mennonite Seminary and Eastern Mennonite University. We have new faculty and staff who are bringing new energy, and we just got a million dollars from the Lilly Endowment to, uh, to create a pathway to our future. Um, and that will enable us to deepen our relationship with the Center for Justice and Peace Building, to uh, better equip future leaders of the church, to better equip the church to um, engage with the conflict that is really pressing in on us. So these are truly exciting times. But as we endeavor into these exciting times, my prayer is that we will remember to do so with humility, ready for surprises, perhaps even bracing ourselves for unexpected grace. And as we roll out these new programs and resources for justice and peace building, it's my prayer that we remember to enact mishpat within our own community, that we be ready to make some sacrifices for justice, that we embrace God's mercy, ready to bear with one another and extend grace and that we walk together in humility as we pursue God. And now to the one who by the power at work within us is able to do far more than we can ask or imagine. To God be the glory in Jesus Christ and in his church from generation to generation. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you so much, Dan, for giving us a challenge and encouragement for the year ahead. One of the patterns that we have as a worshiping community is to intentionally engage in silence. As we do so, we can reflect on the words of the message. We can open our hymnals and see what those of Christian centuries past have for us in hymn lyrics. 
We can turn to the back of hymnals and read prayers. But in silence, let us listen for God. Amen and amen. As a learning community, we also pray together. And so I invite you to turn in your hymnals to number 955 and Voices Together as we read aloud the prayer for schools and learning communities. We will read this responsively, I will read the lines that are to the left, and those that are indented will be the response. Come among us, Holy Spirit. Help us grow. Teach us. Form us as doers of justice and lovers of mercy as we walk humbly with you and one another on this path of learning. Amen. Amen. And as we prepare to go into this first day or continue this first day of our learning journey, let's stand and sing number 458 in voices together. The water is ready.
Each week, your bulletin will list opportunities to engage community events around campus. And so I will ask you to turn your attention to those for the week ahead, also the semester ahead, so that you can plan. And we end with a blessing. And so I invite you to open your arms in a posture of receiving. We have been blessed today to do justice. And we take a deep breath. To love kindness. And to walk humbly with our God. Go in peace to love, learn, and serve the Lord. Amen.